Amen. Good morning. I said good morning. That's better. It's good to see everybody here at the house of our Lord as we worship him together today. It is a great day. You want to know why? I've been waiting for this day for like five years. You want to know why it's a great day? It's because today is the day where we finally kick off into what God has next. We've been praying and preparing, uh, seeking God and asking him for his direction for us as a church. We've talked about it for the last four months here. Uh, and today we're, uh, we're going to see what uh, God has us do. And we're going to follow him in obedience into what uh, he has in store for us. So Thanks for being a part of us uh, this morning, and uh, for everybody watching online, it's great to have you as well. Uh, we just want to celebrate our God, hear from him in his word, uh, pray to him, listen to him, respond to him, and follow him in obedience as we go forward this morning. For us to go forward, we've talked all month about the fact that uh, that requires sacrifice and faith and commitment, and uh, for us to do that, we have to get out of the way. We uh, we say all the time around here at our church that we exist to surrender to God as he makes disciples through us here and around the world. And uh, we want to give everything and nothing less. And so some great musician wrote a song about that. We're going to sing it now. Can we just prepare our hearts and quiet ourselves with a moment of prayer? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for a chance to come to this place and to uh, make much of you. You are worthy. Uh, Lord, we want to uh, give you everything and nothing less. And so help us to start, uh, even with this next song, to sing with full hearts your praise. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
going to take our morning tithes and offerings as we continue to worship the Lord together this morning. Our ushers are going to come forward. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you 
for the blessing it is to stand before you and know, Lord, as we surrender our hearts to you, that you are in full control and that you are faithful and you are good. And Lord, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, and we trust you that you will work in us and that you will be glorified in us to make a difference in your kingdom. So today, as we give back a portion of the blessings you poured out on us, we pray, Lord, that you would receive it from joyful and cheerful hearts, Lord, and that it would make a difference for your name in our community and around the world. We thank you for this time. I pray a blessing on my brothers and sisters here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. So the first offering will be taken. We'll be taking one a little bit later. It's not our normal thing if you're new here. Uh, but, uh, and if you are new here, welcome to a family morning. We are as a church uh, considering the things that God has for us next and pledging to be a part of that uh, and I'm excited for us to be doing that so far. A couple of announcements, one uh, pertaining to this morning, one pertaining to Thursday. This coming Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And so if you uh, have a heart for our country and want to join with the rest of our church and our other church campus uh, at the, the Chapel in Mango, uh, you can join us uh, Thursday night at the chapel there on Dar uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. No one calls it that, MLK. Um, and uh, you can uh, be there for a night of prayer as led by our pastoral staff, it's going to be a great evening together. Um, the other announcement that I have to give to you is the, uh, the good news that's uh, happened so far as we've gone forward. Last week, we got our, our leaders together uh, for a special night of commitment, and, uh, and 143 families or individuals uh, decided to pledge about $722,083 towards our initiatives moving forward. So yay God for that. It's a great start. And uh, we're right on pace with where we were with Rise Up. It's about 36% of the overall goal that we have for the next three years of $2 million when we did Rise Up, if you were here for that. Who was here for that, anybody? Uh, we were at about 38% on that first leadership night. So yeah, God, for both of those uh, encouraging starts. Um, today I want to talk to you from Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can open there with me. And I'm just going to kind of... Weave a story, no, I'm not weaving it, it's a story of the life of Christ and uh, what happened in his uh, experiences. And it's, one of, it's a, one of the probably most familiar stories. If you've grown up around the church or not even around the church, maybe you've heard this one. It's one of the first sermons I ever preached. It is my uh, joy to, to bring you God's word this morning, so I need to pray so that he can speak through me. Let's pray. Hey God, thanks so much for this chance to have this morning together and to see you work through us. As a church, to affect our future, we thank you for our past. There's been um, so many amazing things that have happened as a result of you working through your church here. And uh, we just give you the glory, God, for the ways that uh, you've accomplished all of those things. Um, uh, we just want to continue to make disciples here and around the world. We want to stay surrendered to you and uh, focused on the things that you have for us next. So as we go forward this morning into the things that we sense are what's next, um, lead us, guide us, provide for us, provide through us, God, and uh, make us mighty as a church uh, for your name's sake. I want to pray that you would um, convict us of our sin and lead us into a life that honors you. I want to pray that uh, we as individuals would be better disciples of you. 
as a result of us opening the word this morning, as a result of us opening every day uh, in life with you in prayer and in study. And, and, uh, and, and God, we just want to be more like you, more like Jesus, and less like us. So lead us in that. As I speak today, I pray that you'd get me out of the way. He'd speak in my place. He'd remind us, even in this familiar story, of the amazing grace and the provision that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in his name. Amen. I want to just kind of recap one more time while we're going forward. Uh, in, in between my recaps, I'll, I'll explain how we're going forward, but I want us in this text to understand why we're going forward. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Anybody heard that one before? Yeah, the first time I was uh, assigned a, a message to preach in one of the f- first churches I was a pastor at, I chose this one because I was pretty familiar with what was going on in the text. I'd re- seen the flannel graphs. Who grew up with flannel graphs? You've got to be a certain age. But uh, before there were screens in churches, there were these felt boards and figures that would, anyway, you don't care. Uh, it's the story of how Jesus provided uh, from nothing uh, this amazing more than enough something. So let's read the text together as we talk about why we're going forward. Uh, In verse 13, it says this in Matthew chapter 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. We're kind of starting in the middle of a story that started back at the first verse. And so you're probably wondering what the news was that he heard. When he heard this, uh, it's basically referring to the fact that his cousin, John the Baptist, uh, sometime previously uh, had been assassinated, uh, murdered, falsely imprisoned and accused and given as a trophy to a a wretched woman named Herodias uh, who uh, he had preached against and had uh, rebuked for the way that she was living. Uh, So Herodias was the sister-in-law of the man in power, a guy named Herod the Tetrarch, and uh, a dance occurred. Read it, it's all there. I won't be offended if you take your eyes off of me and read it. But it's all there in the first part of the the chapter, and, and, and the, the bottom line is that his cousin, John the Baptist, the one that I'm, I'm guessing, uh, uh, because they were both born around the same time, maybe they saw each other at family reunions, uh, perhaps they were familiar with each other, even before John the Baptist had the, the privilege of baptizing Jesus and inaugurating or initiating his ministry years. Um, he was a dear fellow follower of God and a fellow prophet uh, of God, and, and uh, his death was certainly a devastating thing. If you've ever gone through that in your family and in your life, uh, death takes the wind out of you. It flattens you. And uh, so Jesus needs some time away, and his disciples want to be uh, there for support, and so they they take Jesus to a boat, probably a 26-foot craft, and they all pile in, and uh, they they start sailing uh, across the Sea of Galilee so that Jesus can have some time by himself. But when the crowds heard it, it says in verse 13, they followed him on foot uh, from the towns. Uh, so, so essentially the Sea of Galilee, is, it's not that huge of a, a body of water. In some places you can see all the way across it and, and there were these towns just kind of dotting the shore. And so uh, in this town where Jesus maybe set out to sail, uh, the, the news was quickly passed. I don't know how, but, but the, you know, maybe texts, Twitter, I don't know. But, uh, but the news got around the Sea of Galilee so that every town around the surrounding area heard that Jesus was on the move. And, and because Jesus had been so amazing in his miracles and healings and teachings, uh, the people of that region were just swept up in Jesus' mania. They would wanted to be near him and hear him and, and perhaps be healed by him. And so they just kind of 
mark the boat out, and they, oh, that's the boat right there, the one with the red sail. I don't know if it had a red sail, but that one, that's, and they just started walking around the, the shore, waiting for this boat to come into to shore. I, I picture the disciples trying to put the boat in at several places, and, and just as they're about to dock, or just as about to, you know, beach the boat, here comes this throng of people, Jesus, Jesus, we're so glad you're here, and they quickly paddle back out, trying to get away to find this desolate place so that Jesus could mourn. But uh, uh, perhaps that didn't happen at all, because here's what it says next in the story. It says, um, when, he, when he went ashore, he saw a great At some point, they decided to put the boat in. And when he went there, the great crowd was there. And, and this, is what, this is what happens almost every time. Uh, in fact, I, I challenge us to find a time where Jesus says um, no to the opportunity of ministering to people. He, he puts the boat into shore, and he, despite his own issues, despite everything that was going on in his heart, he set himself aside he had compassion on them, and he healed them. Now, the church is uh, uh, the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's, that's what we fundamentally are. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to look like Jesus Christ. We're supposed to act like Jesus Christ. And one of the, uh, the marked characteristics of Christ is that he was about others and his father, most of all. Now, he sought to take broken things that were happening in people's lives and make them whole, whether it was through his teaching or his healing, his compassion. Uh, he was in the business of helping. And we need to be too. And that's one of the reasons that we've been a church for as long as we've been a church. We've sought to help people in need. Whether it was spiritual, physical, material, we've tried to be a caring agent, a Christ-like um, giver of love and help, and that's why we're going forward. Uh, we wanna um, provide help through our partnership with an organization that's housed here on our campus. It's called the Women's Resource Center. I've actually asked uh, Cheryl, the director of the Women's Resource Center, to join me here on stage, and she's bringing up a couple of her friends, Karen and Debbie. Would you give them a warm Baylife welcome as they come to talk to us? So, Cheryl, Karen, Debbie, all right. Introductions aside, Cheryl, how you doing? Great. I'm gonna start with you. Can you just remind everybody or let people know for the first time what the Women's Resource Center is and what they're all about? Sure, what we are is we're a faith-based ministry and what we do is help families that are struggling get back on their feet. Um, we're very grateful. We've been here at Baylife since 2005 and so in the last 13 years we've served over 30,000 families getting back on their feet. So we're real, real happy about Pretty that. Pretty crazy stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, God, yeah. <clears throat> now, Karen, I, I know you've been uh, serving there and volunteering at the Women's Resource Center in different ways for a while now. Um, tell us why you do that. Why do you serve uh, at the Women's Resource Center? And then what are some of the things that God has taught you in your time serving there? Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I serve at the Women's Resource Center because I truly believe that we're doing good work there. Uh, we see it all the time. It's the Lord's work. He brings us people and uh, in different modes, different areas that they need help in, and, um, and we're able to give them some resources to, uh, to, go, to use to get themselves into a better place. So it isn't one of those places necessarily where um, I mean, we meet people's needs. We, we try to do that. But it isn't a, a place where you come for a handout. It's the kind of place where you come for a hand up. 
so that when you, um, uh, when we use the resources that we have, hopefully you're gonna end up in a better place. Uh, and you're gonna have to, you have to do some work, but you can, you can improve your situation in life. I just wish that um, many years ago, I'd had a place like the Women's Resource Center uh, that I could have uh, gone to because life would have been a little bit different. But um, it was a prayer answered and 40 years later, here I am. And um, I'm just grateful. Glad to, okay. Yeah. All right, Debbie, you're next. I know uh, you've served in uh, just, you know, and God's blessed you in amazing ways to see a, a incredible things happen with some of the families you've served with. Can you give us a story, maybe of one or, uh, that was especially impactful? Yes, I do, I know, I know you can. Yeah, go ahead. I, ha I do have one particular story that was very special to me, and that was last October. One day I was working, and a lady comes in, young woman, and she has two little children in tow, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, very rambunctious pair of little girls. And they came in, and she comes in, and she's kind of waddling in. I notice she's about five or six months pregnant. So we sit down and trying to keep the girls busy, and we're talking about her plan, her immediate needs. And uh, we get through a lot of things with her. They're struggling emotionally, financially, and uh, really need a lot of help. So as we were getting through the plan, I looked at her and I said, well, how are you doing? She goes, oh, Miss Debbie, I'm really tired. She goes, I'm just tired. I feel lost. I feel like I need to be around women my own age. I could use some encouragement. So I said, well, listen, why don't you meet me, meet me at this Bible study that I go to. The girls can go and play. They can have meet some new friends and you'll be able to actually be around some women your age. So she goes, wow, I'd love that. So sure and behold, after that uh, class that day, I was leaving, and I see her, and she's got a big smile on her face. And I said, hey, how'd it go? And she said, oh, my gosh, I just spent one hour talking adult talk with big people. <laughs> and she was just so happy. So um, we followed up, and we called her a couple weeks later just to check on her like we do, and it was getting toward Christmas. And she said there was some little things that happened that helped improve her situation. But she goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a Christmas tree. I don't know if I'm going to be able to give my kids Christmas gifts. And she was really anxious about that. So I came back and spoke to our church. And as usual, our very generous and loving church provided not only a beautiful Christmas tree, but presents for all the girls. And I can't tell you how delighted she was. And when we got pictures of those little girls standing with their fairy princess outfits on and their gifts and their dolls, um, but to see her stand behind them and just look with such a sense of peace and joy that she was able to give her daughter's Christmas was just a wonderful thing. So I just want to say this is just a false small sampling of all the stories that we have at Women's Resource. Um, it's such a joy and blessing to work there. Uh, we are all so grateful to be a part of this ministry, and we're just so thankful if you can help support us to continue to do the work there. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Debbie. So Cheryl, if we partner together in, in building a next center, a, a next facility that will house Women's Resource Center and our counseling center, failed to mention that, we're going to put our counseling center in the same facility. What, what, what are the possibilities? What, what could God do if we did that together as we are planning to do? Sure. Um, we work actually very closely with the counseling center. Um, when moms come in, a lot of them have um, tough situations that have happened in their life, and the counseling center works hand-in-hand -hand with us to get the ladies the help they need. Um, 
once the new facility is built, right now we serve about 100 families in a month. We have over 400 calls every month for people who need help. And what we want to do is be able to meet that need. Right now, only one in four families get served. Um, so right now, we've already booked completely for next week. You can't get in because all our appointments are already full. And we already have a list of people calling waiting for help. Um, our goal is to be able to serve the needs of Hillsborough County. And that's four, 400 families a month, which I think is 4,800 families a year. And so that would be amazing impact on helping people heal and get back on their life, get ladies jobs, get them homes, get them counseling, and allow them to be who God created them to be. So quadruple the number is what I heard there of the people that we're serving now. We could serve that many more as uh, we partner with these fine ladies and with this ministry as we go forward. Pretty great. Can we thank them for being with us this morning? Thank you, ladies. As we continue in the text, we see that not only was Jesus uh, a compassionate Savior uh, and someone who took time out for the broken and needy, but um, he was surrounded by disciples who weren't quite the same. Let, let's read where the story goes. Now, when it was evening, verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples, these 12 guys who had been hanging out with him for a while, they came to him and they said, hey, Jesus, this is a desolate place. It's not like we're near a, you know, a, a, a uh, a mini mall with lots of food options. Uh, there's no subway on the corner here. Uh, it's a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages so that they could buy food for themselves. Ever been in one of those situations where you were kind of just the tag along in, in something that you weren't intending to do with your day but you ended up doing it all day instead? Husbands, wives, anybody know what I'm talking about there? The other person committed you Who's ever been voluntold? Anybody been voluntold? Yeah, so here's the disciples. They thought they were gonna have a day away. I mean, it's been busy. It's a packed schedule. Lots of people wanna see Jesus. And, uh, and so while they were certainly grieved over the loss of John the Baptist, perhaps in some underneath feeling, they were kinda of looking forward to just being alone, the 12 of them and Jesus. And yet here they are, once again, surrounded by just people in, in incredible need and Jesus spends the whole day providing for those needs and teaching and it comes to the end of the day and well they've, they've had about enough. Who's ever gotten to the point where they've had about enough? I mean it's great to serve but that's enough. I was unloading the truck with uh, uh, Eleanor and, at her organization at, uh, during Feed the Bay a couple weeks ago and uh, when the last box came out of the truck there was a collective 50 person celebration because it was great, you know, to be able to haul all these groceries that came to them for free and all those things, but it was really great to be done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So the disciples were like, okay, listen, it's dinner time. They probably haven't eaten. Jesus has been going straight as he was wont to do uh, through the whole day. And he's like, hey, listen, we've got to eat. These people have got to eat. You've got to shut this down. There's nothing out here for them uh, to partake of. It's interesting how the disciples reflect uh, so often the churches of today. They, they are like us. They, are, um, uh, they have a threshold. They, they can go so far in the serve, and then they're like, okay, done, out of here. Everybody, go. Um, they become, as I uh, put it here, can't-do doubters instead of can-do believers. Uh, I am uh, someone who is subject to that myself. I... I can easily slip into can't-do disbelief. I become a can't-do doubter, and I leave uh, the faith and the hope uh, that makes me a can-do believer. 
Now, lots of churches are experiencing this. Many churches will close their door this year, doors this year because uh, it's just too hard to continue and persist in ministry. Um, even even the, the culture and where it's heading can seem like a, an overwhelming thing for the church. I don't know if you've sensed that, if you've watched the headlines and kind of seen the cultural needle slide away from Christ and more towards the world and, and the things of the world and disbelief. If statistics are any indication, it's just going to get a little worse. Let me be a downer before I become an upper. <laughs> uh, George Barna is the founder of a group called the Barna Group. They're a research firm that basically uh, polls and engages what's going on in the church. And uh, they did some interesting research on the generations that are coming next. Uh, I'm uh, a 40 something, so I'm in Gen X. Anybody else here in Gen X? Yeah, you're Generation X. There's been a Generation Y uh, since then, and so every 15 years or so, there's another generation. Well, the generation that was born between 1999 and 2015 is called Generation Z. And Generation Z has some alarming trends going on. Uh, he says, George Barna says, more than any other generation before them, Generation Z is a post-Christian generation. They do not assert a religious identity. Uh, they might be drawn to things that are spiritual, but with a vastly different starting point from previous generations, uh, many of which received uh, basic education on the Bible and Christianity. Uh, as, as the Bible and Christianity has uh, kind of ebbed and, and waned in its influence in our culture, uh, more and more of our kids are growing up never knowing anything about God, the Bible, church. And so when polled, uh, this is what we find. The percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheist is double that of the rest of the U.S. adult po population. So the, the 15, 16, and 17-year-olds uh, that are coming up uh, are, are saying, no, I'm, I'm a nun, not a Catholic version, but I, I'm a, I'm a non-religious person. I don't believe anything. I don't believe there's a God. I don't even want to, I don't feel compelled to believe that there's a God. 13% of that generation are already ascribing to atheism. The rest of the U.S. population, our age, and on the other side of me is 6%. But that's where it's going. Now, the church could say, well, pull on the oars, we've lost them. Let's just go Europe on this thing. We'll just die and deaden as a church. Our, our rooms will become, you know, museums and... Uh, We've lost, there it is, the trends tell us. The war's over, it's done. Double-digit atheism. Uh, some churches might look at that. Uh, here at Bay Life, that's just not how we're gonna roll. When we see things heading in certain directions, it's not a sign for us to give up, it's a sign for us to believe all the more that a God who is able can overcome, that he's not bound by statistics or trends or culture, that his gospel has seen harder times, and we as a church need to do all that we can to provide uh, for the reversal of the trends that we see in our world. That's why we want to build uh, a building out here to my left uh, that will serve our students and young adults. It'll be a, uh, a building that will disciple the next generations, uh, uh, the next generations who will lead in this church and in other churches. We've needed additional space for the 13 years I've been here. We could just go practical and say we're way overdue for some extra space. But we want to do this visually in hopes that we will be um, a lighthouse for this next generation 
to see and know Jesus, to be trained up to lead in his, uh, on his behalf and to, and to serve God in this church and in other churches as he leads them away from us. I'm so grateful for the ministries we already have in place for Brian and Shane, for Travis and all the others uh, who volunteer and serve with our uh, students and young adults. Uh, we actually gathered some of them who graduated last year and just asked them about their experience in our youth ministry. And these are the things that they shared with us. For me, Inglewood was my favorite trip, and I, I say that because as much as like being in a different culture where the language isn't the same, being in a place where the spiritual culture is completely different and non-existent was was baffling to me. It, it was different from going even to a place where everybody believes a different religion because most of the people we met didn't believe anything at all. Like they literally just didn't have really any framework except you know what little they've been taught in school. And so it was almost like trying to introduce the idea of God or certainly Jesus was, was foreign to them. Like, Being a senior in, in my like last couple years going off to college to take time and actually see what people struggle most with in Christianity and then go in and study those different questions. And that in turn prepared me for college where I'm constantly faced day in and day out with all these objections to Christianity. I now know for myself, like, a strong foundation. I think always, like, we planned it ourselves, we planned the Bible studies, planned, like, cooking and stuff. And I think, like, it gave us more responsibility, I think, as, like, a leader. Mine was Polly's too, because that's actually, like, where I took complete ownership of my faith that year. Um, because eighth grade was like the year I think that I struggled the most and so then going on that trip and like having the support from all of you guys and everyone else on the team I think that's where I really grew the most. You guys are the ones that I've cried with. You guys have seen me broken at my worst. You guys have seen me laughing at my best and I think that's just awesome how like our most big common factor is just the, the fact that we all share Christ together. <laughs> I don't know just building off of each other and it's just been really awesome to get to know all of you guys. What to say about Matt, he's such a great guy. He's just, he's a friend. He's, a, he's, he's not as much a leader as he is someone doing life with you. And he, uh, he's just always there to help out and be that friend that you need. We had some great leaders growing up, um, but I've really found, I think, one of the best leaders for me personally was um, in the worship department. And so Corey Hires, who's in charge of all the family ministries worship, he uh, really took me under his wing, um, taught me why we sing the songs we do. Um, he didn't just teach me like the doctrines of God, he taught me how to love God himself. When I started um, leading worship a lot more <clears throat> Bay Life, I don't, I don't think I was, <laughs> I don't think I was a very good at leading <laughs> worship at all. Yeah, you would sway away from the microphone every time you sing. <laughs> I don't think I was a very good singer at the time either. Um, by doing something that I really loved to do, like playing music and getting better at it and, and seeing that, you know, worship does have an impact on what people think and what they do and, and um, what they believe ultimately. I think getting involved in youth ministry, uh, it helped me become more independent uh, because I also grew up in church. And so through getting involved in the different youth ministries, like helping in kids ministry, uh, I think I became more independent in not only like who I am, like who God made me to be, but in my leadership abilities. And so I became more confident in my ability to share God's love and to 
lead younger girls and to be like a role model to them. Those are just some of our students that uh, God, by his grace, have, has produced and brought through our ministries here. They're serving in our church, many of them, on a weekly basis. They're, um, they're walking in their faith, and they're um, you know, benefactors, uh, grateful for the opportunities that they've had to grow uh, here in our church. We just want more of them. We just want to produce more young men and women who are ready to lead in the church, and that's why we're going forward. Pick up in the text again where it says in verse 16, Jesus has uh, been told by the disciples, we got nothing, send them away. It's a desolate place, it's time to go home. And this is Jesus' reply to them. Jesus said, they need not go away. Uh, you give them something to eat. This, this story appears in all four of the Gospels. And in, uh, in John and in Luke, it starts by telling us there's 5,000 men and their uh, families that are there. We're talking probably 10, 15,000 at the minimum are hanging out, uh, listening to Jesus and receiving uh, his ministry, and, and Jesus says to these disciples who have logically, practically spoken and said, we, we gotta get these people out of here. He says, no, 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 we're totally fine. It's perfect, this is perfect. Tell you what, you guys give them something to eat. And how many times do you think the disciples were, were having a conversation with Jesus, and then Jesus said something, and they just looked at each other? Did, did you hear what I just heard? Did he tell us to give them something to eat? Is this thing on? You know, they're like, uh, they're just, in, I'm sure they're incredulous at this point. They just can't believe what Jesus is saying. What he's saying. They're focused on the practical, but I think Jesus, far more than just, you know, feeding these people for a meal, is reminding the disciples of their overall mission. He, he's going to seed it over and over again as he's with them, but he's going to say, listen, uh, you guys are going to be, like you said in Matthew 5, the salt and the light of the world. You're going to be the ones who feed the spiritually hungry. I'm going to leave, and it's going to be up to the church. You will start the church, and the church will be a feeding station. You need to give them something to eat. <clears throat> Jesus had this, this global picture, I'm sure, in mind of the gospel going to the far reaches of the earth for the, the church and its people to be the, the ushers, the, 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 the administrators, the, the givers of the good news so that a world starving without him uh, could nourish themselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why uh, the third part of our vision in going forward is to revitalize churches. We've had an opportunity in the last couple of years to join forces with a, a church just to the north of us called, uh, formerly called the First Baptist Church of Mango. Uh, we now call it the chapel, and uh, John Weaver and Ben Deal and others uh, from us have gone over there and just melded with the people that uh, God had used there for years to honor him and uh, bring the gospel to that community. And uh, we've seen it grow in the last two years from about 12 people to about 70 people. That's pretty explosive church growth. Five times over feels pretty good. Uh, but we're anticipating uh, even more uh, coming and being a part of that is uh, we stabilize and move forward with new buildings, and that's a whole other story, not for today. But uh, we're excited for the future of the chapel. And we're not just excited for the future of the chapel. We're excited to be able to do that with other churches in our region. We feel like the most effective way that we could probably spread our reach into our community, into our neighborhoods, is to partner with churches that might fail and see them propped up and renewed and revitalized uh, by those of us who are willing to go and Reseed, replant what's happening in those regions near us. Now, we actually asked some of the people at the chapel to kind of give their 
report as to what's been happening in the last couple years there. And uh, we got some sweet responses, especially from some of those who were there from the beginning. We just wonder how much longer we're going to be able to hang on. Well, before the merger, we were down to oh, a dozen people, and they were council. Uh, on a good day, we'd have um, 18, maybe 20, but we had a dozen council, including the pastor and his wife. So it took us two years or more to find a church that was willing to merge with us. It seemed to be a... Uh, ended. Our church was seemed to be going down. Many members were leaving and our pastor had to retire and uh, we didn't have a pastor to speak of and that was the way it went. See. We, we worried about what was happening and we wanted things to be better and we just prayed that God would, would uh, put us in a better spot. I think the biggest worry was um, keeping the lights on. I can tell you that it was a time of great prayer, of great supplication to the Lord, and um, walking in faith, because um, we were trying so hard to keep the church going and keep the doors open. We were definitely in need. Yes. <laughs> and just basically hanging in there until God sent help and uh, trusting in his faithfulness to our church. I have gotten better personally, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. I don't remember being this involved in church, but I am now. Like I help the kids on Sundays. I just, it's opened me up. Like I go to Sunday nights at Bay Life. It's, it's opened up a whole bunch of opportunities for me. For John as a pastor, it's very important to see the community coming together when we had a, the, the picnic a few weeks ago and we just saw the amount of people that were here and it's so much people that, can, that need to be reached and in this area just alone. We, we felt love, I mean, from day one, or I should say night one because it was, it was night uh, prayer. Um, we just felt, I mean, the love is just tangible. You know, you can feel it. And um, we just love um, Pastor John. Yeah. And um, just, I, I just see um, just the, uh, the oneness of, of the church. You know, everybody's in one accord in the, the prayers that are being answered. And um, this is great. I mean, life is good at the chapel. We just can't wait to see what God's going to do next. <laughs> that lady's name is, yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. That, that lady's name's Sharon, and, and, and Sharon and Jackie was sitting next to her. She's not mute. She just didn't get any of her words in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, those two ladies and some of the other older folks that you saw there, they were, they were the people who were praying for someone to come and just be a part of them and encourage them and and, and merge with them so that they could continue on with the ministry. And it has been a faith walk for them. There's been challenges and changes. We don't do church like they do. <laughs> and uh, 
there's been, but it's been beautiful. It's been just awesome to watch as, uh, as the two churches have come together and as others have come, people from outside the community that weren't there in the beginning, much of the growth is, is new growth, not people from us or from them. And, uh, and, and when she says, I can't wait to see what God does next, I feel the same way. I can't wait to see what God does next there and in these other pro- uh, potential partnerships that lie out there. I just trust God's going to bring them to us. So th- those are the things that we want to do. Women's Resource Center uh, impact the next generation through building a, a facility to disciple them, to, to revitalize churches. There's some other things, some improvements to our facilities thrown in there, but those are the principal things. And just like any church, those are our dreams. Those are our hopes. Uh, but we can come up with those dreams and hopes and say, well, there's just not enough. There's just not enough. Jesus was with his disciples in front of a crowd of probably 10 or 15,000 people, and uh, the disciples have already made their point. There's nothing out here to feed these folks. And uh, he says, well, you feed them. And so they say, fine. And so they start, can you picture the disciples stomping off? All right, Jesus, we'll just show you. And they walk out into the crowd, and they, you know, anybody got anything? Anybody got anything to eat? Anybody bring any lunch? Now here's what, this isn't in the text. I don't mean to, you know, put things in there that aren't in there, but I'm guessing with 10 or 15,000 people, someone's got something. I mean, we know for a fact that one kid did, but there's probably others, right? And they, like, you know, so many people, when an opportunity comes up, they were like, not getting my sandwich. I got up and meticulously made this, you know, banana and ham sandwich this morning, and that's gross. And you're not, I don't know why I said that. And you're not getting this. And they just kind of sat on their sandwich. But there's this one kid, it tells us in the book of John, it's a lad, it's a young boy. And this one kid, as the disciples are walking through, you know, just kind of doing their diligence so they can let Jesus know, absolutely, there's no food here. This one kid pops up and says, yeah, yeah, my mom packed me a lunch. We had fish last night, and so we had a couple left over. She threw that in the bag, and she was making bread this morning, and she gave me not one, not two, not three, not four, five little cakes of bread. I was going to just pig out on those, but... Uh, you know, Jesus has been good enough to hang out with us all day. If he wants my lunch, he can have it. And so the disciples march this kid up there. It tells us in the other Gospels. And in Matthew 14, 17, they give a report. Here's what we got, Jesus. Five loaves, two fish. You see that one word in there? We have how much? Only. <laughs> the disciples see this. Little. Only. It's not much. The vision cannot go forward because there is not enough. (laughs) Maybe you feel that way this morning as we kind of face this time of pledging and giving. You're like, I don't have anything to give. I mean, maybe I could give something, but it's it's not going to amount to anything because it's just not enough. But here's what over and over in the scriptures we see. Um, When we're just faithful in sacrificing and we commit to the things that God asks us to commit to, he's amazing in accomplishing what needs done in his will for his people and his world. He just makes it happen. So Jesus in verse 18 says to his disciples, bring that here to me. Bring me those fish and those loaves. And he ordered the crowds to sit down and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He talked to God the Father and he said, Let's feed these people. And then he started to break the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Again, just one sentence describing an incredible miracle. I want more. Does anybody want more there? 
Like, like five loaves and two fishes filled a basket, like a big basket. That's a miracle in and of itself. If you could just multiply it, to, but, but he didn't just fill a basket, he filled 12 baskets over and over and over again to the point where the disciples could go out in the crowd and just act like, you know, peanut sales guys at ballparks. I mean, they're just chucking fish sandwiches everywhere they go. I mean, here you go, here you go. How many need over there? Five, here you go. And they come back again and again and again until 10 to 15,000 people eat all that they can. You see, Jesus loves to take little and make much. In fact, he loves to take little and make more than enough. It says in verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied. The Greek there basically means topped off. Couldn't eat another bite. You ever had one of those meals? I mean, most of these people probably hadn't eaten all day. Have you ever fasted, not eaten all day? How's that first meal back for you? Can't get it in fast enough, can you? A little hungry at that point. So he didn't just make like, you know, some hors d'oeuvres, a little nibble for everybody. Oh, I couldn't possibly. No, he made enough for everybody just to plow, just to go off and eat until their stomach hurt. Everybody ate and they were satisfied. And then, this is what I love most about the story, these disciples who had told Jesus to send everybody away, what's their next task? Go get the leftovers. Jesus instructs them, says, hey, everybody's eating their full, why don't you go out there and see if there's any sandwiches left? And they go out, and they all come back with a basket full of leftovers, 12 disciples, 12 baskets, 12 of them have meals for tomorrow. Jesus says, no, doesn't take much. Just takes a little, just a little bit of faith, and you can move mountains. The faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. A, a, a little bit of lunch, and we can feed thousands. A little bit of sacrifice and faith and commitment and I'll take care of the rest. It says in verse 21 that those who ate were about 5,000 men besides their women and their children. What I take from that part of the text is that when we give what we can, Jesus will do what only, what he, what only he can do. When we give what we can, Jesus does what only he can. And then people fill up to overflowing. That's what I anticipate happening as we go forward as a church. God's gonna take our gifts and, and, and you know, by his grace, we're gonna build these things without going into debt in his time as he enables. But we're gonna see these things go up and these, things, these partnerships happen and we're gonna see the fruit of that faith come about as students are discipled, as churches are renewed, as, as people in our community are restored from their brokenness. He's going to make much out of our little. And we're going to be able to glorify him as he does. Our kids have already started in their hopes for the future. We asked them all to think of someone that they would uh, want to see come to know Christ. And we went all the way from the elementary ages up through our high school and college age students. And uh, we just asked them uh, to tell us their story. Watch what they said. My name is Sydney. My name is Josiah. My name is AJ. Wesley. Megan. Veronica. Zane. Isla. Trevor. Tristan. Simeon. I am a student. I've been at church my whole life. 
just a few months, a couple of years. I came because my parents brought me. My teammate invited me. My best friend drug me here. I accepted Jesus as my savior at Awana. In my small group. At Lyft. At Ignition. At the Back to School Bash. At Kittapalooza. I serve in my church by playing in the worship band. Working in the missions cafe. Greeting visitors at the front door. Playing with babies in the nursery. Running tech. Leading a kid's small group. God is at work in my life and I have learned so much about it. I have seen his faithfulness as he's answered prayers in my small group. I have witnessed him meet me in my weakness during my mission trip. I have been amazed with his love when he sent me a leader to talk to when I struggled with hard times. I have learned about his promises by memorizing verses in Awana. I know he is real and worth following. The name I wrote was Elizabeth. Corey. Josie. Catherine. Suvin. Ryan. Michaela. Evan. Jada. Santiago. I wrote their name down because I have been changed by Jesus. I would like my friend to know him too. I pray that God will use me in the process. God wants to do something through me. To change my school. My sister. My community. My world. Hundreds of names on that little chevron. We're going to hang it in the building as soon as it's built. It's going to live somewhere over in our next door uh, facility and tell them. But it's going to be a constant reminder to our kids that as they grow and they follow Jesus, it's not just so that they can know him, it's so that others can know him through them. And I'm excited for what the, these go-forward initiatives are going to make possible in that regard. So now it's the time. It's the time for us as a church to go forward, to give as God leads to the things that he is uh, planning for us next. Uh, the way we're going to do that is uh, we're going to have uh, everybody who's willing, everyone who wants to be a part of this, certainly don't feel compelled, especially if you're visiting, unless God's telling you to be a part of this. You just watch and uh, see a church join together in the things that God is doing with them. Uh, but uh, I want to remind you of a couple of things as we get ready to do this. Uh, the, the, the offerings that we're given today, these pledges that we're given today, we want them to be above and beyond what we normally give. This is extra on top of what uh, God has already led us to be a, a part of in supporting the ministry here at our church. We're going to have a time where people are going to be walking up on this stage. Uh, they're going to be taking their pledge cards, which if you see them in your bulletins, everybody pull one of those out, and we're going to give you a chance to fill those out as we move forward. But you're going to fill out those pledge cards with what you sense God leading you to give over the next three years to this project. And as you look at that card, if you kind of see it there on the screen, there's just a main line here at the very beginning, at the top, uh, where uh, you're going to put the total amount over the three years, and then you can describe to us how you're planning on doing that as God allows uh, below that. But we just want, uh, for the most part, the, the, the solid number at the top, and then your information so that we can write you and thank you and uh, encourage you and all of us as we uh, try to commit and continue to commit to the things that God has called us to. So in a moment, I'm going to give us a chance to pray. After we're done praying, uh, we're just going to kind of sense where God's leading us, and then my wife and I will we'll go first. We've made our commitments. We're a part of this with you. Uh, it's by faith that we are walking in this thing. And uh, so we'll go first, and then the rest of you, as you uh, sense God leading you, get up and be a part of this with us. Uh, if I can just kind of show you how this thing's going to work. Here we go. Traffic cop. Here it comes. Um, uh, if, if you're kind of in these middle rows, we just want you to kind of move this way towards this center row so that you can come up these center stairs. If you're in the outside rows, we want you to move to the outside of the room and then kind of, if you're in the front, circle back to that middle uh, horizontal aisle there and come down the middle. If you're in the back, kind of 
however you can get to that middle aisle, get to that middle aisle. We're going to use these central aisles here, not the far outside, but these two outside ones. I don't know what to call them, those aisles. Does everybody see what I'm talking about? That's how you'll return to your seats when you're done. If you're online, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. You can be a part of this too by going to baylife.org go, and you can fill out your commitments there on our website and be a part of this as uh, God leads you to be a part of it as well. When you get up on the stage, a couple things are gonna happen. You're gonna drop the card uh, here in this slot, and then uh, we're gonna have some of our students standing on the stage. They're gonna be holding ink pads. Some of you might have walked in and say, oh, look, someone's messed up that sign. Uh, Those are the thumbprints. Uh, Our logo is a thumbprint, our identity is in Christ, but we wanna show uh, by our thumbprints that we're on board with Go Forward and we're gonna move forward in this commitment that God has given us. So you'll just dip your thumb in some ink. You and your family can come over. Some people have made flowers. Eleanor and I made a heart. You can do that with two of them, it's fun. Just have fun with your thumbs. And, uh, And then when you're done, you're gonna just walk down the sides of our stage Uh, We have some nice wet ones for you to get the ink off your thumbs. And then you're also going to be given a a totem, a reminder uh, of this morning, which is just this little keychain. You can put it on your keychain if you like having all the jingly janglies. Or you could just put it somewhere uh, where you could constantly see it and be reminded of what God is doing through us as we go forward. We're going to take this banner, and just like uh, in Joshua chapter 4, when I, I preached a couple weeks ago, Uh, the the story of the nation of Israel crossing the river Jordan at flood stage. God stopped the river, and that's chapter three. And in chapter four, what they spent the first part of the chapter doing is is taking stones from that river, 12 stones, and they built a memorial, a reminder uh, of the faithfulness of God in delivering them into the promised land. So uh, we're gonna put this up as a reminder of God's faithfulness to us uh, in our buildings currently, and then uh, in the future, as a reminder, once we get that building built in a few years, of the things that God did through us. So now it's just coming down to us praying and taking some time to be led by God and the things that he wants us to do. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Hey, Lord, as, as we confer as families and as couples and as uh, just individuals with you on the things that you have for us next, uh, my prayer, God, is that uh, we would see you do a mighty work through us as a church on this day and then the days to come as we uh, uh, bring, up, bring about all, all the pledges and, and, and see them uh, fulfilled as we start the projects that you've led us to, God. May you be um, lifted up because of them in the hearts of men and, our, and women and, and children in our community. Uh, may you bless churches through us. May you uh, bless the next generation through us, God, and lead us in uh, just making more disciples more who will know you, more who will follow you, more who will love you and help others do the same. Uh, Lord, we understand that uh, you're worthy and and you'll take our little, uh, whatever it is, and you'll make much. Uh, We are uh, never able to outgive you. Uh, You always uh, do more in return. So God, help us to give uh, sacrificially in faith and in commitment to seeing it through. Thank you for this church, God, I love them. Uh, You love them, and and you've done so much through us already. Send us into your future with us, and uh, use us, God, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just spend some time praying, and when Eleanor and I go, everybody can begin.
Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of
The very air we breathe is a gift from God. The very lives we live are His to be lived for Him. And so as we've done for the last 25 years as a church and as I pray we do until Jesus comes home, I pray that we give ourselves wholly to His cause, to His mission. Can we pray for this day moving forward for us to be able to do those things? God, I stand here next to this beautiful whatever it is that was, was built for this purpose and uh, um, inside are the cards and the offerings of people uh, who uh, have come this morning with hopes of um, seeing you go forward with us into the next things and, and we want to pray that we as a church uh, would, would see you work in amazing ways that you take our little and make much that you would um, uh, bring more to us to disciple that you would take us from here and, and other, into other churches as you allow and and allow your work to continue to through us in that regard, that you would use us to disciple the next generation, that you'd use us to make an impact in the broken lives of our neighbors uh, so that they can see Jesus and follow him. Uh, God, we, uh, we know that you are faithful and that you are the giver of all things. Uh, we just want to give back to you so that you uh, can have your plans fulfilled, us, fulfilled through us, that you can... Um, uh, well, you don't need us, but you choose to use us, God. And we just want to be available to you however you see fit. So thank you for this morning. Thank you for this great start. Thank you for these faithful who have come and uh, chosen to be a part of this. Lead us, Lord, into all that you have next. And I pray it in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming this morning. And God bless us as we go forward with him.